This is Music Mentality with Angie. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Holy shit, you guys. I'm so excited for you to hear about this week's guest, Michaela Menzies. Michaela is such a free-spirited, amazing woman. She has so many insights into what this life has taught her. Through the turbulence and the gold, Michaela really learned so many lessons. We talk about the meaning of life, we talk about the ending of life, and we talk about everything in between. At the end of this episode, you'll get the chance to hear her newest song, Mess. Finally, a reminder that most of these episodes can be triggering. This specific episode has themes of suicide and grief. You can find Michaela's music on all streaming platforms by searching up her name, Michaela Menzies. This week's episode is a little bit different in that it's a two-part episode. Tune back in next week to hear the second half. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Nice to meet you. I'm nice, nice to meet you too. Yeah. Um, how have you been? You're in Vancouver now, right? Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I'm on the island. I'm on Vancouver Island in Victoria right now. It's amazing. That's the greatest so cool. move of my life. Like, I always thought I would end up in like California somewhere because I love the West Coast, but mm-hmm. I'm too Canadian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, like I love, I love America and I love traveling there, but like, I'm just too Canadian. Like. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. go like without a Timmy's for a little bit. Like I'm more of a Timmy's girl than a Starbucks girl, to be honest. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm bad. Spoken like a true Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what made you make the move? That's like a pretty far move to go from Ontario to Vancouver. Yeah. Just like, I just like always was drawn to the ocean and it just kind of like happened in perfect timing. Um, my family was moving out here, like my dad got a job out here. So it just kind of like, it was like kind of a crossroad of like, do I want to stay in Ottawa and like rent a place there? Do I want to just kind of like make the move with my family? And, and there was just like, the universe just kind of like picked me up and like moved me there. It was just, it all kind of like happened in perfect timing. And yeah, it was, I mean, it's just been life-changing. Like just the people here are so different and like, there's much more opportunity creatively, like, especially because Vancouver's so close and yeah, just like the atmosphere is different. The weather's great. So what do you mean the universe picked you up and moved you? (laughs) Um, it happens to me a lot. The universe is kind of like, I always like have these moments where like, I feel like the rug's being pulled from under me and it ends up being like the best thing ever. Um, so I think it's just kind of like growing pains. Like you're like, Oh no, I don't want to do this. Like, 
I can't, I'm not ready or whatever it is. And, and circumstances just happen where it's like, okay, like you have to make a decision now. Like my family moving here, right. It was like, I had to make the decision of like, do I stay where like a place that I've grown up and like known, but don't really fit in here. And like, the only thing like keeping me in Ottawa was like, obviously like family and like people, but also just like, I don't know, like it was just the right time to, to go, I think for sure. Dude, I know growing pains. Growing pains are hard. Like so hard. Yeah. And like right now my childhood home is being sold. So this room is going to be gone soon. And I'm trying to get a job. I'm graduating in April and like, Ooh, a lot of changes all at once. And it's like, how do you keep up with it? And like my biggest thing right now is trying to define what home means to me. So like, especially through these growing pains, personally, I feel very lost and I'm like, okay, like my actual physical childhood home is being sold, but also like everything else, like my degrees ending, which was a home to me. I am like in between jobs. So I have no home there. And like home is such an interesting concept in that it's not exactly a location, but it's also a form of stability. Mm. Feeling. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's like, it's such a common theme, especially like in your like early to mid twenties, you're like, have to have it all figured out. And yeah, no home is a very, um, tricky thing. Like I, I mean, I never like your childhood home. That must be so jarring. Like I always, I mean, I grew up moving around. So like I had like my childhood home from like up until I was 10, but then like my whole like teenage years, I was always moving around. So kind of like Ottawa felt like home to me in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just like, yeah, it's just like tricky and jarring and confusing. And yeah, I think home is, is a little bit more of a a feeling more than a place. Mm. So Uh, when have you felt the most at home? Um, I mean, this sounds kind of corny, but like in nature, like just in like by the beach or like playing music or just, I don't know, it, it comes in like small fragments for me. It's not necessarily like a place, just mostly just like a feeling for me. Yeah. Just writing and being in music and nature. And it makes me so happy that you're in Vancouver then. I feel like like yeah. the place, best place you can be like nature yeah, everywhere. It's... Water's right there. Like yeah. you can bring your it's... guitar with you. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually my mom's guitar. So yeah, I found it. I found it um, when I was moving here. So my mom passed away when I was about 10. And and I kind of like she was a songwriter as well. And so we kind of found this in the basement somewhere. And it was like, it's like a rental guitar from like a school that she like never returned. (laughs) So I just kind of like keep it around. And it's like my only guitar that has like nylon strings. So it sounds beautiful still, but yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's like your mom is really with you everywhere then with that guitar. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like that very thing that connects you both. I'm so sorry to hear that you lost her though. That's like, that must yeah. have been so difficult. See, I, I for, for me then, that must have been like you losing a piece of your home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's my, I mean, my childhood was beautiful. I think, I mean, I think we, to a certain degree, we always like romanticize our childhoods a little bit. Um, just because I feel like when I was a kid, I felt the most myself and the most at home, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then just like that foundation being stripped away is just like jarring and confusing and and yeah, just like losing that sense of home is uh, difficult because then yeah. you're just kind of like 
wandering around and like, especially with me too, like I moved around a lot. So it's just like when, and then there's also like that feeling of like being homesick when you're home. I don't know if you've ever felt that where you're like, you're like home in your bed and you're like, still like, I want to go home. Like, where's my home? Like that kind of feeling is Mm -hmm. something that comes up a lot for me. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So what do you look for when you ask yourself that? Cause technically you are home, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's a tricky feeling. I think I just kind of like have learned to kind of build a home in, in myself. So like, I kind of, it's kind of corny, but I kind of like envision myself in like a little guitar in my head. Mm -hmm. And I like kind of, I don't know. I just like tried to like find things that make my space feel more like mine. So like I have a lot of books. So I just kind of like put, make everything pretty with my books and like plants and guitars and um, just kind of like, I have like my mattress and my sheets that I like and just kind of like making certain things like feel like your space kind of helps me a little bit. It kind of eases the anxiety. Every house that I've been in, I've always painted my rooms white just because I feel like I'm, it makes me more creative. Like I get to go into a space that's like all white and it's like a blank canvas. And yeah, I love that. It's literally a blank canvas. (laughs) Yeah. Like a consistency throughout all the homes. So I think there's just little tiny tricks and places, but I think at the end of the day, home is, is really just like a feeling. Mm -hmm, And it absolutely, yeah, it's, it's in a lot of the people that you love too. Like I think family is a big thing, although family can be complicated, but it is like <laughs> so complicated. <laughs> Family's great. I love my family. I think it's just like there's, you know, you just find home in certain people. And, and yeah, I think your your soul tribe is out there. And yeah, you always attract the people that you're meant to at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the way that works. And, um, a part of you, oh, sorry, you mentioned romanticizing childhood. And I think that, first of all, <laughs> finding that like child within ourselves, that is also home. And I think that is exactly how mm-hmm. we build. That's like our foundation. So yeah. you're saying you, you find home within yourself. And that's true because, I mean, you know, reconnecting with your inner child, I guess that sounds corny, but I don't know. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, so important, though. Like, it's such a crucial thing. Yeah. And that builds a really, really strong foundation. But in terms of romanticizing our childhood, I find so many people have experienced childhood trauma and they don't even realize it. So the reason that they romanticize their childhood is because they were young. So they weren't understanding what was going on. And now that we're older, we do understand what's going on. And we understand that we're probably traumatized, but we still romanticize it because back then we didn't understand what was going on. And like ignorance is bliss. Like, you don't want to know what's going on and it's beautiful. And, you know, part of you knows what's going on. I remember, I remember like a feeling when I was six or seven years old and like seeing something that I shouldn't have been seeing when I was a kid, like something that was traumatic. I just don't want to dive into that, but I remember seeing something that was traumatic. And I remember thinking like, I don't like this feeling, but I don't understand what's going on. And now that I'm older, I'm like, Oh shit, that's what was going on. Still don't like that feeling, but like, It's so confusing for a child to understand because we feel before we understand. That's like as babies, little babies, when we're born, we're like inherently laughing or crying, but we don't understand why it's because we understand with our emotions first and foremost. So like our emotions really guide us, huh? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and I think that like children in general, just like notice so much more than like adults think they do. Like, I mean, like, it's so interesting to me, like the psychology of it, because you like look into like how, like, you know, you, you look up to your parents so much growing up and you mimic a lot of the things that they do or say, and like, you don't realize that that's kind of like being woven into you, like from a very early age, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, we all have trauma. Like we, it's so common and so many people don't know it happens. Do you ever get like blocks in your memory? Like you don't really remember certain things. Oh yeah. Like it's, particularly fights within my family or something. Yeah, like, I know what happened. Don't remember it at all. Like, but, but like you said, like, I like how you said it, you remember all the feelings and especially like as an artist and a, like a, I was a complete daydreamer, like. I like when anything chaotic was going on, like I always kind of like went to my room and was like the observer or like, and just kind of like hid away (laughs) and like was daydreaming and romanticizing in my room and like to escape the whole like chaos of everything. Right. So I think that like, that's a big part of like why I think my childhood was so beautiful because I, I mean, there were pieces of it that were very beautiful, but then there were pieces that were like always kind of shattering around me. Um, So it was just kind of like, it's just a weird balance, but yeah, connecting to your inner child, I think is so important that we like, I I think I never really let go of that, to be honest, the feeling, like just kind of navigating life through my feelings, Um, just because I think I feel so much deeper than most people. Um, I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but it's just like, everything feels so heavy all the time. Like, whether it's good or bad. Um, but I think that in general, like your, your feelings really are your like emotional guidance system. They, they can tell you like, you know, when you walk into a room and you're like, um, you know, who you want to hang out with and who you don't, mm-hmm. or like where you should go and where you shouldn't go. That or, vibe. You just, yeah, like, like the energy, kind of, you get that, it. Yeah. Like the internal, And I think as kids, that's extremely prominent and like very um, heightened. And I think we forget it as we get older. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, tuning in and connecting back to our inner child is so important, especially as we grow older, because I think there's a lot of kind of magic and and guidance from that, really. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, saying, you know, reconnect with your inner child, follow your intuition. That is all such good advice. And like, I've been saying it as well. I find that it can get so difficult to do. Like when someone says, you know, like um, even you should rest or you should meditate or reconnect with your inner child. And it's like, how, what does that mean? (laughs) Where do I start? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And for me, and I just real, like I recently realized, Oh my God, I recently realized this about myself. It's that music brings me back to it because I've been yeah. playing piano since I was four years old. So music has always been something part of my life. And I think that goes for a lot of people, even if they don't play instruments, listening mm-hmm. to music. I mean, it's in elevators. It's on the car radio. I mean, there's a song that I listen to that I'm like, oh, I love that song. And I was literally three years old. And like, I am brought back to that three-year-old version of myself. So it's like music is such a therapeutic and meditative tool that I personally use. And in terms of writing as well, like songwriting, I'm like, wow, like, why am I feeling this? Where is this coming from? And then I realized, whoa, this is like from that trauma or from that memory or from that moment and stuff. And I don't know if you can attest to that or not, but 
I find that might be popular among musicians. <laughs> mm, oh yeah. Like I think music is just such a, a talisman to time in general. Like you listen to anything and it brings you back to that time, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> I think there's some records that I still like, I'm like, I don't really want to listen to that. Cause I feel like I'm 14 and super emo again, <laughs> but like, um, I remember that phase. I remember yeah. that. Loki's <laughs> still in that phase. <laughs> The like 2014 Tumblr sad emo music. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, music is such a powerful thing. And, and um, it really just brings you, I think for me, it just kind of brings me back to myself. Mm. Um, and yeah, just writing too. I think that's really, I definitely relate to that a lot where when you're writing, it like brings things like you're like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> forgot about that like kind of like brings things up that are like stagnant in your body and like brings it out and like puts it into like a physical form that you can listen to and I also feel like sometimes when you're writing it like um turns your feelings into sounds I don't know if that's too artsy but yeah, it's true it's definitely <laughs> like, true I, I I've heard records too and I'm like like you know when like a song really really resonates with you and it resonates with you because it's what you're feeling, but you can't quite put it into words, but it's what the sound, the song sounds like to you. Mm -hmm. I experienced that a lot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, music is such a, a powerful, powerful thing for sure. Yeah. And I just, I had a thought because I, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is that I personally use music as my like therapy tool yeah. and to like discover myself. And it's, it's my way of journaling, mm -hmm. but there's something that you said just now that triggered this thought in me. And it's um, when we watch movies, there's music in the background all the time. And it's what creates a movie. And when we watch a movie, yep. we fall in love with the characters. We fall in love with the storyline. We get angry and we get sad. We get happy, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. we romanticize that movie. Is it possible yeah. that you think like music romanticizes, like almost enables that romanticism of trauma? Do you think that's oh my god wait that's such a good thought that is so <laughs> true I am such I am such a suck for like I I mean I am very visual mm -hmm. when I write music like I have what they call like synesthesia where you like see music in color very cool um, so I always like when I write, I always like paint movies in my head like I always I literally when I'm writing a song I see the video kind of movie thing as I'm writing it That's so cool. and I 100% do that to my life like especially when you're writing like records that are like very personal I feel like it can kind of like heighten the experience for you um yeah like I think it just kind of makes it more like euphoric and and um colorful in your mind when you like kind of make it into like a movie sort of situation but yeah absolutely like I think I think even just like making a making a playlist of like songs that you listen to in high school can romanticize that whole thing or like songs that you like listen to in your childhood like it really romanticizes the whole experience for sure do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing hmm. that's a really good question I think in some ways it can be really not great because I feel like sometimes it stops us from fully going into the experience that wasn't healthy or like wasn't a very good experience. Like we're kind of like skimming the surface and like romanticizing it with music or, or 
perceiving it. Cause like, I also think it's really interesting that like two people could experience the exact same thing and see it in completely different ways. Um, so like, I think one person could like experience something and then write really happy music about the relationship or, or the friendship or whatever, that was really great. And then another person could experience the same thing and be like, that was so traumatizing. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think it's just kind of like how you choose to experience this. And it really is a choice of like how you choose and like how you see the world too. Um, so I think it can be a little bit damaging, but I think it's also a coping mechanism too. Like I, I definitely use it as a coping mechanism, like this really awful, you know, friendship breakup was awful. And let me write a song about it so that I don't like feel super, super bummed about it or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. No, like, you're definitely right. It is a coping mechanism. And like the idea of romanticizing it, on one hand, I guess, like you said, it's a coping mechanism. So therefore maybe not therefore but like it is a form of escaping and yeah that's the right word for escapism for sure yeah and I escape in my music all the time and then I romanticize it and then it helps me see that moment in my life as maybe not so bad even though I know it was traumatic because Mm -hmm. you know it helps me fall in love with the main character and in my story I'm the main character in your story you're the main character so um it definitely helps me fall in love with the main character and on one hand does help me cope with the situation, but on the other hand, I'm scared that it might make people, including myself, see the situation as better than what it is, because then you get attached to your sadness because your sadness is what creates that music. So it's like, it's just like, it can, it can be a toxic cycle if you don't set boundaries for yourself. And like, honestly, I'm just realizing this now as we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, This is like a therapy session one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I am such, I think like I resonate with what you just said so much. Like I'm such a sucker for escapism. Like, I think it's really like, that was like, is like the main coping mechanism that I go to, you know, like all this, you know, like losing my mom so young and dealing with anxiety and depression, like really, really young, like, instead of like, kind of dwelling in that, it's, it's like, oh, let me like create this beautiful space and, and songs and poetry and like, Mm -hmm. kind of narrative that makes me feel less alone, because I'm sharing it with other people. So I think it's just kind of like, it is such a a coping mechanism and escapism can be beautiful, but it also has its downfalls because it's like, well, are you really feeling what happened to you or are you just romanticizing it? Yeah. And okay. um, I brought this up with an interview I had yesterday, but it's like rebringing up these thoughts. I don't know if you've watched soul or not. It's like my favorite movie. I love that movie. So cute. I know it is. It's very, very cute, but I also think it's so deep and has such deep. Oh, yeah. And it kind of brings me back to this where it's like, um, I obviously uh, I'm distracted by everything, but when it comes to music, it's the only thing that like hyper focuses me and I can like fully dive into it. And I love music and I use music for everything. That being said, um, what I said earlier, how it can be toxic if you don't set boundaries. It's crazy how anything that you love too much, not even too much love can become obsession if you like see it with just like narrow vision and that can there's just such a thin line between being in the zone like in soul and loving it but then losing yourself within it and realizing like I have escaped too far and I don't know my way back to reality now and that's really really scary Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely I I loved how they like depicted that in that movie like you're like in this 
channel of like, yeah. And it's, it's really like a tough, tough thing because it's like, it feels like you've had all these experiences, but it's like, was it even real? Did I just like make it up in my head? Like, am I making it seem worse than it actually uh, is? Like, Like, that's something that I'm feeling right now where I'm like, this is my situation, but is it really as bad as I think it is? Which is yeah, (laughs) really bad, bad mindset or the opposite too. You're like kind of playing, it was like really bad, but you're playing it off as it wasn't so, so bad. So it's like, I think it's just like, there's definitely a balance. Like I think great, like beautiful, like great art comes from how people view the world. But I think it's, it's, um, yeah, I think just kind of like going more inward and like doing Mm -hmm. a lot of self-reflection is really the only like key to like finding, um, just finding stability in that kind of like thought is just kind of like being like, okay, well, you know, I did experience this, but, and this is how I'm seeing it and just kind of like making peace with that. So I think it's just kind of, like it's not, it's not such a bad thing, but it can be, (laughs) it's like a tricky balancing scale for sure. But yeah. And balance is difficult. Balance is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that being said, do you have any of your own music that you know, resonates most with you or that you have found yourself escaping to, or like portrays that escapism? Um, well, my most recent record that I released called mess was about the loss of my mom. And it was just kind of about grief and, and loss and how I kind of navigated that when I was a teenager. Um, like my mom passed when I was 10. So it was, I think when you're 10, like, you don't really know what's happening. Like you do, but you don't. And like, it's, it's just like a really tough thing, but I think it really didn't start affecting me until I was a teenager. So like until I was in high school, like 13, 14, 15 ish. And it, again, it it came from escapism. It was like, I don't want to feel this. Let me go to this party or let me go, you know, just like the escapism of, of being a teenager and like seeking out, you know, rebellion and, all that stuff to just escape what you're, what you're feeling, which is, you know, the person that you like loved so much isn't here anymore. And you're really just a mess. And it's like looking in the mirror at the end of the day and being like, wow, I'm just like, there's no beautiful and like pretty way to grieve. Like I'm just a mess right now. And, and I think that was just kind of such a, a little bit of like a darker approach to how grief felt but I feel like it was really honest um yeah it, it that song just like means so much to me it, it really just felt like um what my heart sounded like at the time and I really wanted the production to kind of feel like it was underwater too so um if you listen to it there's like a lot of like kind of like underwater type drums and like things to like make it seem like you really are drowning in in this heavy grief. So it was really just like an expression and it it's um felt like a a big a really big release and um I kind of like I uh used I don't know if you've seen the music video but I com- kind of compiled all of our childhood home videos and it was it brought up a lot while um kind of editing it but it was it just kind of like felt like a breath of fresh air as I like released it it was like okay like 
you know, I can kind of like move forward from this chapter and, and kind of just let that see how people react to it and, and let it breathe. Yeah. And I was going to ask, is it easy for you to listen to that song where was it like, did it come naturally to write it? Is it something that you enjoyed or is it like a difficult process that you kind of knew that you had to push past? Um, well, I mean, I think, I think songwriting in general, like depends on the song. Like, <laughs> I think you can probably relate to it. Like sometimes it's like five minutes and sometimes it's like, you can write a song in an hour, you can write a song in a week. Like it just kind of depends, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like at creatively. This song took me so long. Like I think it took me about like a year because I just kept avoiding it. Like, I think I just like would write a little bit and I, I wanted it to sound like, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I like, was like, oh, it doesn't sound quite right. Like I really want it to be like sound how my heart sounds. So I, I kind of put it off a lot and would like revisit it time and time again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of the most difficult ones just because I think it's like the most personal and the most honest and, and it's so universal too. Like it's, you know, losing someone because of grief or losing someone, you know, through a breakup or whatever it is, like, it's very universal and, and, you know, not just grief of losing somebody who's passed, but also like losing somebody who is still out there in the world can, can also be a sense of grief as well. Like, I was going to actually literally say exactly that, that death has so many different definitions and like, mm-hmm. you know, one's passing doesn't necessarily like that is a form of death, but there's so many different forms of death yeah. and including death with, within inside of you as well. Like there's this one line from your song that I wrote down. over. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
here dancing around at this party when I barely made it out of bed. And like, that is such a relatable line. I remember in 2018, I went to a Fleetwood Mac concert and I was so excited. I was like really looking forward to it. And I was standing there listening to the music and like, I was dancing and singing obviously, but just like every part, like literally even the surface of me just did not want to be there. And I was like, I like, I can just jump off right here and end it all. And like, it would be obviously terrible because there was like 20,000 people in that area, but like, it was, (laughs) (laughs) but it was like, it's a scary feeling knowing that something that is supposed to bring you joy, being with your friends, dancing, Mm -hmm. um, doing what you love, it doesn't bring you that joy anymore. And that is home. And that is a part of your home dying as well. And that is such a relatable feeling that you depicted mm-hmm. in that one line in your song. So yeah. I, even with the, with one of the first lines, like no one really knows. Um, no one really knows when I'm breaking because I keep it all in my head. Very true. It's like, you're not going to go to a party and be like, <laughs> Hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like drowning in grief. Yeah. No, I think that was such a big a thing for me and, and such a feeling that has I've carried for so long. It's like, you know, anybody that has met me, I mean, I haven't really been out in the last couple of years. Cause like <laughs> we've been hiding at home, but um, I would go to parties and, and, you know, the first thing people say when they meet me is, Oh, you're so energetic. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be dancing around and making the rounds and, and, but I was completely broken inside. Like there was nothing. And I think that's a really big thing of like a feeling, not just grief, but also like kind of ties in um, depression as well is like, it's, you know, there's, you can have depression and be completely high functioning and like nobody would ever know because it's just like this internal battle that you're fighting with yourself. And it's, um, it's a tough feeling because it's like, there's no, um, there could be absolutely no outward reason for you to feel this way, but you still are like, I think that's a big like misconception of like, um, people can often say like, Oh, well you have everything that like anybody could want or like, and like that's, I think is, is not a reflection of like what your, um, mental state is. Like, I think we all struggle no matter Mm-hmm. what our status is or how many followers we have or whatever mm-hmm. we're doing like it has no relevance to your mental health in, in any way shape or form yeah. it's, it's an and I think in some cases it might even make it more difficult because there's um people often shame you for it so I think yeah that line and and you know I mean obviously you being at that concert you know that feeling it, it's such a, like you're like I'm at this concert why am I not happy and it's it's but for whatever reason, it just kind of sits in there and, and is just kind of that stagnant feeling inside of you that is, you know, calling to be healed at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember when I was 12 years old or 11 years old, mind you, we didn't know much. But then again, as kids, we know a lot. Um, mm-hmm. When I was 12 years old, I was feeling really depressed. And one of my best friends said, 
well, why are you feeling this way? And obviously I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know. I just am like, it is what it is. I don't know why. And yeah. she said behind, there's a reason behind every tear. And I don't, didn't know back then if I agreed with that, because I didn't know what the reason was. I could have everything in the world. Everything can be going smoothly, perfectly. I'm not even feeling anxious about the future, but I'm still like, I still can't get out of bed and I'm still not loving anything. So like, do you think that there's a reason behind every tear? Um, I, I mean, I like to think so in a sense, like, I mean, like the same kind of saying is like, everything happens for a reason. Like I love and hate that saying so much. Like, I -hmm. think that there, there is, but then I think sometimes things just are like, I think sometimes obviously we have emotions and feelings and, and things come up to be healed. Um, and our, you know, our emotions are, are, inner guidance system. So like if something you're feeling, it, it, it should be for a reason, but I think that other times it's just chemical imbalance. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. Like, I think, um, our brain is such a, a powerful thing, but it's like, you know, you break your leg, you're not going to be walking on it all the time. So it's, you know, I think there's parts of ourselves, um, physically, um, that need to be healed as well. So mm-hmm. I think that, it can be for a reason. Yes. But I think also sometimes it's just kind of is. I think now that um, I'm 23 and I can reflect on it. um, I think that there is a reason behind every tier, but it's not necessarily one that we consciously know. It could be one that it's a tear that was meant to be cried 10 years ago. And it's only being cried now because we're only feeling it now because it only caught up with us now. And we're not aware of why the fuck we're feeling this now. Like, I don't know. Sometimes even at 23, I'm crying over shit that happened when I was 12. And I'm like, damn, like it's past it's done, but it's because we carry that pain with us. And that pain has influenced our decision and has shaped us and molded us throughout the course of our life. And I don't want to say our pain is our identity because it's not our identity by any means, but um, it is part of the reason, part of the thing that has shaped us into who we are today. And I think that there is a reason, but it's a very, very deeply ingrained reason a lot of the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I like how you said that, that it's, it's um sometimes we cry because it's a tear that we, didn't cry for like didn't cry when we were 12 that's so good you should write a song about that I was literally about to say is that a song (laughs) so good that's that's genius I'll let you pick that one (laughs) honestly it's all yours we can like say it in a million different ways we'll both write a song about it it's not a big deal I'm sure it's like a very relatable feeling to most people but yeah Um, the other thing is that you mentioned how depression is a chemical imbalance. It's funny that you say this because that brings me to the topic of diagnosing. Do you think that labels are good or bad? Um, yeah. So for me, my journey with the mental health, everything has been so complicated and so tricky. And I think it is for a lot of people. I mean, even now, like to get to even get an appointment to get diagnosed is like a six month waiting list, which is so, I mean, there's so many things that I could say about like the whole system. It's so broken in so many ways. I think there are parts of it that are really excellent. And I'm so grateful that I was, had access to that when I was in a really bad place, but there's also like, you know, 
there's our kids now who can't wait six months, like they are really struggling. So I think that there's, there's elements of the system that are so broken, but I mean, we won't get into that, but for me personally, I um, was diagnosed when I was about 15. Um, I was in the CHEO outpatient program. Um, and we kind of, I was in a couple of different sessions and things and they, um, first were trying to, they first had diagnosed with me, diagnosed me with depression and I was on medication for that, but it wasn't quite working and we didn't really know why. And then through like therapy and sessions with, um, a psychiatrist, I was able to pinpoint that it, my main kind of thing was I had a panic disorder and an anxiety disorder that hadn't been attended to and treated, which was causing depression. Mm-hmm. So there was like, I think for me, that diagnosis was so important because it was like, instead of like my depression was being caused by all this anxiety. So like, I would be so, so anxious and it would make me go into a depression because I didn't have the coping mechanisms or like the, um, kind of tools in my toolbox at 15 to, um, kind of pull myself out of it so it would just kind of like spiral into these depression episodes and you know I would miss a lot of school and I would like disappear for weeks like I I would go to high school for like a couple of weeks and then disappear for like a couple more weeks and then reappear and like my grades were slipping and like there was a lot of shame too like at the time like this was like 2012 2013 so like mental health was spoken about, but it wasn't like how it is now. Like, Mm. so it was, it was a bit tricky, like to explain to like your friend who's 15, Hey, like I'm not in school because I like can't get out of bed. And they're like, well, why? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) So I think just being treated for that at the time was so important. And so like vital, I, I got on medication and, and I can truly say it saved my life at the time. I don't think that I would, you know, necessarily either be here or be where I am today if it wasn't for, you know, the resources that I had access to at that time. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think being, I think labels are important, but I think that um, just to kind of understand what your brain is going through and what your nervous system and everything, what's happening to you. But I don't think it's, so important that we have to like attach ourselves to it. Like, um, I, I prefer saying like, I experience moments and, and episodes of depression and anxiety, but like, I don't have it. Like, I think it, that's the, the language that we use for me personally helps just cause I don't want to like, cause you know, beliefs are just thoughts that you keep thinking. Right. So I, I don't want to like kind of ingrain that in myself. Definitely. I agree. I think that, um, on one hand, labels have helped us understand our feelings more and helped us. And mm-hmm. by us, I mean, like psychologists and scientists to explore what is depression, what is anxiety, what is ADHD, so on and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, it had, even though it has helped us, I feel like we live in a world where if you're not diagnosed, then you can't get that help. And it's so difficult to get diagnosed. And there are tons of people out there. And let's face it, there's definitely still a stigma behind mental health. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like in my second year of university, I, I don't know if you know of the UO Collective for Mental Health, but 
um, I co-founded this little organization with a few other people. And I remember doing all these protests, lobbying for revised mental health care. And it just got into the wrong hands. And this one article on Ottawa Citizen just had so many people being like, you guys are spineless. Like those people who commit suicide, that's on them. That's their fault, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so it's still so present. Like, I think we like to say, like, even now with like, you know, I think Bell Let's Talk is great, but like, it's not just one day. Like it's, it's a const, I really, it really, um, I think it's great that they do it, but I, I think for me, it's, it's often a day that, um, is really triggering for me to be honest, because I see a lot of people, um, on the internet from high school and, and, you know, college times that like, you know, weren't necessarily, um, able to be there for me at the time for whatever reason post about it and it's just like a little bit triggering um yeah well I feel like Bell Let's Talk also gives people the opportunity to be performative in their mental health activism and I find a lot of people are very performative in it you know they'll be like yes mental health like Bell Let's Talk and it suddenly it becomes a trend it's like mental health challenges are trendy and that's also part of the reason that like everyone wants to get a diagnosis. I don't know. There's like so many reasons behind yeah. wanting this label, but I find again, it, it's quite romanticized sometimes. Like mm-hmm. on one hand, there's a stigma and everyone's like, it's not real. And then the complete yeah. opposite where it's like, <laughs> I want it because that's true. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> there's no middle it's ground. So- I find it such a, uh, that concept, such a strange thing, because I think like, you know, in a lot of ways we, um, our egos like to make ourselves feel bad. Like, let's be real. We all have our, we mm. all have our, an ego. Like we all want to like, you know, be loved and seen and, and accepted. And And I think like a lot of the times, like, especially now in kids today, teenagers today, like, like you said, like depression is, is cool. Like being an outcast is cool now. Like it's like, you're, you know, this thing. Right. So it's, it's definitely a thing, but I think for me personally, I'm like, I wish that I did not have this. Like my life would be so much easier if I didn't have this. I don't know why you want to be. I know. Right. Like I, (laughs) I could really do without depression or anxiety in my life. I think that is like a very true statement, but I also think that without it, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm-hmm. I think it's given me a lot of depth and a lot of resilience and a lot of strength um, that I'm very proud of at this time. Like I, I kind of look back on myself and, and again, with the inner child thing coming up, I look back at myself at like 15 and I'm like, oh my God, like I have grown so much and have experienced so much, like way more than the average human being on this planet have. I think anybody who's experienced mental health issues, like it ages you and not like in, in a, you know, age, like age looks way, but like in a (sighs) wisdom way, like Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like, 45 years old, like sometimes because I'm like, I've experienced so much like so much shit for like just how your brain processes things. And, and I mean, even losing your mother, I mean, that's not many 10 year olds can relate to that feeling. That's really, Mm -hmm. really difficult. And it's like, 
just just at 10 years old, you've experienced more life than a lot of other people have. And that's really difficult. Um, So I'm sorry that you had to experience that much life. (laughs) I think it's, um, it's tough. It's just, I think it's one of those things too. Like I wouldn't, and it seems kind of weird to say like, I, I mean, a hundred million times over wish my mom was here, but I, I don't think that I would change it at this point. Like, I feel like I've just, you know, I've experienced so much and, and, um, yeah, it's just like one of those things that continues to show me how much resilience I have. Like, I don't think that we're, we're shown how much strength we have until we have to like pull it out of us. Mm -hmm. Well, I also find that like, correct me if I'm wrong, but with you being involved in the music scene and writing music, just that alone keeps your mother alive. So it's, Mm -hmm. she is still like, she's literally a part of you. Um, Like that guitar that you've got (laughs) mess, your song mess, like, Hmm. And the fact that she was a songwriter too. So all these different factors really like keep her memory and who sh- and her essence, I'll say very much so alive and has very much so shaped you into who you are. Um, but still, like, I can't imagine how difficult that must've been because no 10 year old should have to live that many lives and experience yeah. those it's, many uh, things. That definitely makes sense. It's uh it also kind of made, I think it really started this narrative that I, I mean, we all have our like little things that we struggle with day to day. And I think it really started the narrative of, I feel misunderstood. So mm-hmm. like, I feel like it's hard for me to relate to other people. Like, like one of the lyrics in mass that you mentioned, like it, it's, you know, it's hard to relate to people because in a sense, like you, you you've, ex- you've experienced so much more, like you've, um, it's just like a little bit of a heavier feeling. Like you're, it, it's like, how am I going to relate to any, everybody who just, you know, wants to gossip about other people? Like, I feel like that's a, another thing that is really prevalent in society. Like we, we feel like we, to connect to other people, we have to talk about other people. Mm. So like the only way to like connect to other people is to talk about, you know, like what other people are doing. And like, that's because we all want to be connected, right? We all want connection. And I think for me, like, conversations like this and like talking about like the universe and like music <laughs> and, like what do you think the deeper meaning of life is has always been my go-tos and like I'm just haven't been in the crowds to do that so I felt like really misunderstood um and I think it's just like that was a really big positive thing for me moving here because I feel like I kind of like got pulled away from the crowds that I felt misunderstood from. So I like kind of got to like reinvent myself here and make new friends who have like similar interests to me. And, you know, so. yeah, no, I definitely get you so hard because even to this day, like anytime one of my friends mentions celebrity drama or like what this <laughs> person from high school is doing, I'm yeah. like totally zoned out. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I have my few favorite artists. I follow them. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't, I, I'm so sorry, but I, I just don't really care to discuss Rihanna's pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think it's just one of those things too. Like it's, it's all for connection. Like I think when you start to see it that way, it makes so much more sense. Cause like, in, we all like, 
we all judge other people and we judge ourselves for judging other people. And it's like this constant like thing, but I think we just, we all want to be connected. And I think a lot of the times we think that to do that, we have to talk to other people and have to have a sense of community. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like changing the narrative. And I think there's more, there's deeper connection to have by having like real authentic conversation instead of, um, talking about, what bill is doing on the weekend (laughs) like nobody like i think it's just one of those things and and you know like if it's a positive thing sure but like at the end of the day like i think there's more authentic connections to have with like-minded people for sure you just kind of have to find your your soul tribe yes agreed so what do you think the deeper meaning of life is (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know. I think just like, I think it just is like, I think that's just the the thing. It just, there's no deeper meaning. You just kind of have to live it. <laughs> there was like, have you read the book? Um, the midnight library. I haven't no. Oh, it's so good. He, like it's, um, it's just a novel, but it, it it's, it's such a really, really great, great, great book and lots of good quotes in it. That What's so. it about? Um, it's basically about this girl who she like kind of gets through like um kind of like a rock bottom moment like she struggles with depression and she's she um tries to commit suicide and then goes into this midnight library between life and death and like gets to experience all these different like versions of life it's such a good book and like there's a lot of like little quotes in it that are so beautiful and and you know there's like one quote, I'm totally going to butcher it, but it's like, like life isn't supposed to be figured out. It's just supposed to be experienced or something like that. So I think that that's the deeper meaning of life. It's just to experience. Um, so I'm sorry if I cross a boundary here. Um, it's okay if you don't want to talk about it, but have you ever experienced that in between life and death phase where you might've attempted and you feel detached from life, but also detached from death. And it's like this purgatory phase or space, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I experienced it a lot. Like, I think it's, again, I don't think it's really talked about. Um, I think the thing for me personally, and I don't want to give too much away because I'm kind of writing a song about it, but (laughs) Um, I've really struggled with being too afraid to die and being too afraid to live. So I great song lyric. Yeah, I, I am really in an in between. And I've always been in this in between. There are so many, so many times where I have thought you know, about suicide and have thought that I wasn't important and that nobody you know, there's nothing left for me here and I want to leave. Like I have had those thoughts since I was very young, never in my, in a million years would I act on them. But I think having those thoughts and, and being open about having those thoughts makes, makes me feel like kind of like letting it out. makes me feel like, okay, like I feel this, but I'm not going to act on it. And I think a lot of other people feel that too, to be honest, but nobody talks about it. No, suicidal ideation is like very, very normal, but it's it's super scary. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like, I don't like, I can't tell anybody that I feel this because they're going to like, 
you know, and I think it, it's just like a really tough feeling to sit with because it, it it's very all consuming. You're like, I don't want to be here. And I feel like nobody wants me to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's another side of it too, is, is I also struggle with being afraid to live. I think I often play myself down a lot and self-sabotage a lot and um, kind of, yeah, like just play small because for whatever reason, there's a internal thing that um, I think a lot of people struggle with too. Um, just, you know, you're not used to things being good. So it, it kind of perpetuates this self-sabotage cycle of, of, you know, staying where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like what you're saying is such a relatable feeling. I'm just remembering like a moment where, and mind you, this is like past suicidal ideation, but mm-hmm. I just remember, um, like I had a pill bottle and I just like put all the pills in my mouth. And like, I knew that all I had to do was swallow them and that's it. That, that's it. It's like right there. And something about that weirdly was comforting because it's like the option is there. And it's okay. There's, there's an option, but on the other hand, it's like, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this. And like, I have the option to live. So it's right there. It's okay. And I'm just going to leave it there. And I'm going to leave that there. And now kind of stuck in between where I'm not doing that or that. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't do that, (laughs) but um, it's a scary phase. Cause it's like, then you forget what's what (laughs) you forget how to live and how to rest and what all of this means. And then you get so consumed in trying to understand your purpose and your meaning and what you're set to do in life and why are you even here? Like, what's the point of you being yeah. here? Yeah, there's a, yeah, it's an, it's a big, huge kerfuffle of just feelings. And yeah, like I think finding a purpose is, is so difficult. And I think, I mean, for me, like I feel really grateful that, from a very young age knew that I wanted to be a musician and and I think just kind of am a musician because it's kind of <laughs> woven into the fabric of who I am. I've been songwriting since I was about seven years old. So it's, it's just kind of a really tough moment where you're like, I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. I don't know how to get there. And it's really scary. And it feels like this ginormous mountain in front of me that I cannot climb. So I'm just going to like sit in my bed <laughs> and chill and like not do it. So I think it's just kind of like breaking out of those things and, and, and trying to just make really small steps every day to kind of overcome that and, and go out into the world and feel a little bit vulnerable and, and share what you need to say. Like, yeah, that's why I'm so grateful for this opportunity today and like talking to you. Cause I feel like it's just like really awesome that you're doing this. Oh, thank you. I I feel very grateful to be talking to someone like you, like super grateful. I mean, I wouldn't be able to even have this show if people weren't willing to be open and have this conversation and build this community with me. Before leaving this episode off, you guys need to listen to Michaela's song, Mess. Party when I barely made it out. 
streaming platform and search up Michaela Menzies to hear the rest of it. And I'll see you back here next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you're an artist and you've got a story to share with a passion for music, please do reach out. Whether you're just starting out or you've been in the music industry for years, I would love to hear your story. Follow me on Instagram through my handle at Music Mentality with Angie. Or email me at Music Mentality with Angie at gmail.com. Finally, a huge shout out and thank you to the amazing editor behind these episodes, Aileen Tamer. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. 